So we're going to try something that we haven't had a chance to attempt yet because we have not been face-to-face during the pandemic. Welcome to the next edition of Grid Forward Chats. Today we are live and for the first time in person as we wrap up our Grid Forward event here in Seattle. Um, we have with us today John Harlow, the CEO and GM of Snohomish County PUD, affectionately known as Snowpud, and Ann Hos- Hoskins, the Chief Policy Officer of that tiny little solar company, Sunrun. Um, thank you both for being here, Ann and John. Great to be here. Yep, great to be here. So, Anne, I'm going to send my first question to you. Can you tell us a bit about your background, what brought you to Sunrun, and what you are doing there now? Sure. So, I have, I I guess I like to say that I've been on almost all sides of this um, energy world. Um, I joined Sunrun just about six years ago. And I can tell you a little bit what I'm doing there in a moment. Um, But before that, I I was a regulator. I loved the panel we just had um, with former fellow fellow regulators in Hawaii and in Washington. Um, I was a regulator in Maryland on the Maryland Public Service Commission. And before that, I actually worked for a regulated utility uh, public service enterprise group, so uh, which is a utility in New Jersey. So uh, brings me to, you know, I finished at the commission and I was trying to think, well, what do I want to do next? And what I really wanted to do was to go work on the competitive side um, and to support clean energy uh, because I saw as a regulator that it was a pretty unequal playing field in terms of advocacy and in terms of really bringing other voices to the table. So we can talk more about that, but lots going on um, in the distributed energy world and Sunrun has played a really important leadership role in that. Thanks, Anne. Thanks for being on. John, can you share a bit about your story? How did you end up in the role leading Snowpud? Yeah, so I will uh, try to abbreviate this journey. starts uh, almost 35 years ago. Um, my first um, position um, in the in electric utility world was uh, Central Illinois Light Company, which is now Ameren, Illinois. And my first official title and union classification was unskilled help. I, <laughs> I still hold that title today, according to the Snohomish folks. <laughs> um, I... Went through a lineman apprenticeship, was a lineman, journeyman lineman for about 10 years, 10, 11 years. Then went to IPL, uh, or Indianapolis Power and Light, where I was the vice president of power delivery. Moved from there to uh, P&M Resources in New Mexico, was the safety director and director of operations for them. And then about five years ago, and it's amazing, it's been five years already, uh, had the opportunity to come to Snohomish, first as the AGM over uh, distribution and engineering, and then about three and a half years ago, um, the opportunity to step into this uh, GM role. Thanks, John. So our theme at the event is about keeping pace with the energy transition. So maybe we can start a little bit on how fast is that transition happening? John, can you, uh, maybe over to you first, what are the dynamics like at Snowpud? How, how quickly is the energy landscape and the requirements of the grid that you all are running? How is it? How fast is it changing? It, it's changing, and I'm going to try to stick to my, my notes that were prepared, one for um, uh, timing uh, perspective as well as um, my team that prepared the notes. I have, know I have a tendency to get off the rails with my excitement around uh, the f- utility of the future. I, I think it's more around uh, a cultural transformation for us and the sense of urgency around the opportunities that uh, the landscape presents. We stood up a utility of the future team about three years ago. And I think about the amazing advancements that that team has made, um, and it's actually propelling us to see 
more opportunities um, from technology advancements, data analytics, um, certainly the, the needs driven by our customers, uh, as well as supply resources and capacity uh, constraints. So um, I think the pace is continuing to accelerate based on what we know and what we're discovering. Great, thanks. And how about from your part perspective? You know, Sunrun pioneered solar not that long ago, and you're doing a lot more now. How fast do you right. think the rate of change is happening? Right. I mean, Sunrun's been around, I don't know, 15 or 16 years now. Uh, it's been really amazing. So I joined in 2016, and when I came, it was very—it was a solar company, and I really came after the solar awards, you know, to try to find a, a little more collaborative approach going forward. And you know, then what happened? We ended up, you know, having some outcomes from rate cases that really made it necessary, kind of propelled people to get batteries, you know, to, to deal with time of use rates, to deal with other restrictions on what they could do with their solar. Then we started having these wildfires and uh, hurricanes in, in Puerto Rico, and that really drove adoption of batteries and really brought batteries, you know, into, into the forefront for, for home uh, customers. And then, so that was only just a couple of years ago, and that opened the door for us to really start thinking about grid services, where customers could be a solution to some of these challenges on the grid. Uh, so we experienced that, and now, you know, another couple of years later, we really are viewing ourselves as an electrification company, as many of the other people in this conference are. Right? Uh, Sunrun, uh, you know, announced, a, you know, last year uh, that we're partnering with Ford on their electric truck. Um, these are all things that I had no expectation of, you know, when I came to Sunrun just five, five and a half years ago. So, and, and I think that, you know, so to me that's very fast because remember, call, I, I, I was at a utility for about seven years and this did not happen, right? And so we're, we're just at a different time. It's really exciting to see that utilities are also embracing this with their, you know, grid of the future um, enterprises. But I think that a lot of it has really been driven by uh, competition, by new technology, by all the kind of companies that we've seen at your conference here. And with that, you're able to have companies like a Sunrun uh, sort of be a platform for that and and an avenue for customers to be able to access these resources. It's really exciting. So it sounds like we're on the same page, that the rate of change is pretty, pretty fast. Very and, fast. And probably accelerating. I see some heads nodding. Yeah. I would say Absolutely. yes. Okay. Definitely so accelerating. let's talk a little bit about what's driving that. Um, what do you think is behind and, and causing these changes? Um, maybe I'll start with you, Anne. Yeah, so I think there's there's a few things. Policy, definitely, you know, obviously I'm a policy person, so I, I go to that first, my, my go-to. But, you know, policy is a really important driver in all of this, right, whether it's, you know, renewable portfolio standards that some face, uh, climate you know, climate goals, um, but I also think the climate, right, in and of itself and the impacts is really driving, is driving in a few ways. One is just the physical need to come up with uh, some kind of solution to deal with forced outages that we face in California, total outages we face in Puerto Rico, right? It's like a problem sometimes drives entrepreneurs and others to help come up with solutions. Um, but I also think that, you know, we're finding the public, not all of the public, but certainly parts of the public with a lot of resources um, who are saying this is something they want to invest in, right? The rise of ESG investing, the rise of a, a lot of family foundations and others who are saying this is important to me and we're going to create and create resources to help fund a lot of these new tech companies. And I think that is really, really critical at this time where people are trying to figure out take some responsibility and try to try to make a difference. How about from you, John? What's, what's causing that? So I'll try not to duplicate much of what Ann said, but um, I think foundationally it's cleaning up the grid is a step to cleaning up other sectors of the economy, certainly transportation, buildings, facilities, et cetera. 
um, changing regulatory environment. Um, state policy changes for us in Washington at CETA, the CEIP, um, clean building law, and, and the potential future uh, legislation. Resource adequacy is a big driver for us. Competition for clean resources. We're be, we'll be renegotiating our uh, 2028 BPA contracts. Uh, customer demands and expectations. We believe decarbonization aligns with our customer values. Climate change and wildfire uh, mitigation, as Ann had mentioned. New resources. For the first time, <clears throat> a clear economic value signal for DERs, including demand response and smart rates, is coming from our most recent IRP. Conservation and energy efficiency. Although in a historical context, certainly um, energy efficiency or conservation is not glamorous, but the value proposition for us and our customers is still significant, again, especially as we continue to leverage emerging technologies for EE. Um, Long-term duration energy storage, five-hour plus, and that's, you know, batteries and, and way beyond, pump storage, uh, compressed air, hydrogen. Market exposure, uh, electrification, energy equity, we're, we're playing in that space. We're moving on programs that offer partner, in partnership with Washington State. Um, focus on support of the most vulnerable populations. We're citing uh, a community solar project in a um, uh, vulnerable uh, community, part of our community, uh, and the, the resource or the credits from the resources generated will go to our income-qualified customers. Uh, customer partnerships. Again, customers continue to care more and more about the characteristics of their power. Is it clean? Is it local? And then I go back to the culture at Snowpud. It's amazing, again, to watch the Snowpud team on what they've accomplished over the past few years and when we, from when we first stood up the utility of the future, the creativity, the innovation, and, and what the what's next attitude. Uh, it's really inspiring, and I think that is, again, propelling us um, and, and is partly behind the cause for change or the case for change. Uh, I had policy, which you covered, and I had technology culture as my first three in no particular order. Anything you'd want to add on technology or culture, Anne? Well, I think what was just mentioned in terms of, it was really interesting to hear, just the culture and, and the really important role we're seeing public power play in this, right? It's just been really interesting talking uh, with you about that uh, because, I mean, it's maybe jumping ahead to barriers, right? But one of the barriers to all of this is, you know, if utilities or other incumbents don't have incentives to embrace or actually oppose some of these um, uh, interventions or some of these opportunities, it just really slows it all down. And so it's really heartening to hear, and I think a lot of it does go to the culture of the companies and the people that are attracted to try to work on this. And, and I talk to, you know, lots of college students, you know, a lot of young people are very, very interested in trying to be, again, back to some solution to the climate. And many of them now want to come work in this industry, and I think coming with them is a mission-driven focus yeah. that maybe wasn't there a decade ago, um, but that is, is really driving people to come to work and try to try to solve these problems. That, that's great, Anne. Uh, you're not a startup anymore, but a Silicon Valley startup and a public power company from north of Seattle with similar visions. Mm -hmm. That's really exciting. Anything mm -hmm. you wanted to add on either of those two? No, I'll just say it's it's uh, even exciting for a 30-plus-year-old utility geek like me. <laughs> so this is a question that admittedly blends drivers and barriers, but I'll throw it in here and then we'll move on to barriers. But I wanted to talk a little bit about business models and financing because I think they are driving the, the dynamics of this space. Could, so could you talk a little bit about obviously the early days of the financing yeah. model of Sunrun and, and then the business model evolution that, that Snowbud's thinking about? Could you add a little bit of color on, on that area as a driver? Sure. So, you know, for those of you who don't know, 
you know, Sunrun really started as a, as a finance company, right? And we were founded by two MBAs coming out of Stanford Business School. And they were really looking at the issue of kind of capital barriers for customers to go and invest in solar, right? It was expensive at the time. We didn't have a lot of the cost reductions that we've experienced since. And if people had to put up, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to get solar panels on their roof, you were you were getting very skewed participation. So we created a solar as a service, basically PPA or leasing model, um, which really democratized this and really has changed, you know, despite what you hear, you know, increasingly the people that really want solar are folks who really need it for affordability and for reliability and for resilience. Um, and it's because we've been able to come up with these financial mechanisms and also very important, and I should have mentioned it earlier, I mean, one of the key drivers to what's happened with rooftop solar and, and solar in general has been the federal investment tax credit, you know, critically important. You know, it opened up a lot of capital to come into uh, the solar industry, and it's something that we're right now still advocating that we're hoping it's going to be extended through the federal legislation, uh, Build Back Better bill, um, and, and done so in a way maybe even out for 10 years so that we have that certainty and it'll provide the capital and we can get this growth. So absolutely the case that um, having access to capital um, and having, you know, creative financial thinkers um, has been really important in uh, certainly spurring solar and batteries. So I would go at this two ways. One, specifically from a Snohomish um, PUD perspective, and we are in large part a distribution utility. We buy 80% of our power from BPA. Um, so what's within our kind of control is what we can do with, with our distribution system or on our distribution system um, and with our customers. And I think that's what the team has really tried to identify and, and, and leverage. Um, you know, going back to the standing up of, of uh, the tools and, and the ability to assess where the needs are, where the capacity constraints are by circuit. Um, they developed a heat map, and, and they're building layers on that heat map that, that are uh, letting us, you know, better define where the opportunities are from a DER perspective, a demand response perspective. We've launched uh, the Flex Pilot programs that I think were, were touched on um, uh, during the conference. Um, we've just got a number, the microgrid um, that is, uh, we have up in Arlington. Um, we, part of that microgrid is a vehicle to grid um, uh, pilot with Nissan. Um, we, we see the opportunities from what our customers will have from battery storage, whether it's electric vehicles, power walls, et cetera, what other DER, solar, um, and how do we enable <clears throat> with the right incentives and the right um, kind of customer engagement, how we can dispatch those back on our system <clears throat> and, le and leverage those resources. So that's, that's just exciting because that's a whole new world from the paradigm that a utility used to work from, right? Just continue to build and you're incentivized to build. Again, now I, I've got a little bit of my previous IOU hat on. But um, the other piece of it for us that's important is not specific to Snohomish, but it's really specific to the region or the, or the West. And that's, um, you know, having clean, reliable, affordable, um, dispatchable, resources, right? Because I don't know with current technology if renewables, you know, albeit certainly more justified with battery or other storage, 
but can carry the day to 100% clean west-wide um, energy transformation. Well, we're not going to debate that now, but big, big topic. I have one more thing to add on that um, that isn't really related to the financial model we face, but I do believe that uh, one of the, the really critical needs is to really look again at the models and the way that utilities, that investor-owned utilities earn their money. I mean, at the end of the day, I spend way too much of my time still fighting with utilities. I came to be the collaborator, but, you know, utilities are not really embracing distributed solar. You know, we've been in this, you know, really challenging net metering case in California now for a few years. And I sit back and I think, you know, if, if utilities would just be a little more reasonable about it and realize we have to pay you know, pay customers for the services they provide to the grid and that, that there are shared customers, that we could be working on so many other things together um, in terms of, you know, ways that we could build microgrids, ways that we could do, you know, grid services. And so a lot of this really comes down to the way, as a former regulator, that most investor-owned utilities make money, which is to invest capital and to try to increase the revenues. And so I think that, you know, it's really, you know, we, we had regulators here at the conference. There are models with, you know, performance rate making that I think have to be seriously looked at. There's models related to, you know, creating distribution system operators and having incentives so that utilities will embrace all these great technologies that we've heard about the last few days. Like, we really want to make sure we've got the regulatory structure so that we can all work on this together. And that's a huge business model issue that I think is at the core of a lot we need to do. Not going to go too far on that one. Wildly interesting topic, though. Uh, so let's – I think we laid out the drivers, right? So let's cover overcoming the barriers. So how are we going to get past the speed bumps that allow us to keep up with this rate of change? Um, so, again, maybe I'll start with you, John, this time. What's what's a what's what's what are one of the key barriers out there that we need to think about? How do we how do we get it out of the way so we can keep keep pace? Um, I think the uh, the scale of DER solutions uh, we we have we're moving at a quick pace, but I think uh, it's not necessarily as as a a as coordinated as it could be or should be. Maybe the right incentives aren't there. Um, so on and so forth from a policy perspective. But I, I think overcoming those barriers is through partnerships, and that's, that's utility peers, that's utility vendors, it's the national labs, it's our, our customers, our communities, our electeds. If we really have a common vision of where we want to go, then I think it would unleash the potential that everybody individually is trying to, um, to really find and, and identify and leverage. How about Yen? What would you think? think yeah, of? I've got. Well, I already told you we need a whole entire new regulatory system. But beyond that, no. Um, it's a couple of really practical things that I think are really important for particularly new entrants in this market. Um, some of the barriers that we've been facing are things like main panel upgrades. Right? They sound, you know, sounds pretty straightforward. Well, it creates huge delays for customers when you've got customers. If you let's say you want to do an electric vehicle or you want to do an electric water heater, many old homes cannot handle that with their with their main panel. So we've found this is a real challenge as we've gone to try to put solar and batteries on roofs. So that's an area that I think like work with the Edison Electric Institute. Let's get this figured out. Let's get best practices. Let's find a way that we can make it easy and fast so that customers who want to upgrade for so we can get electrification. Another one, permitting. Um, so we've been I've been very active the last few years with um, NREL and with other parts of the industry to get something called Solar App, which is really literally just trying to have automated permitting so that you don't have to take, you know, paper plans and go up to the desk of a, 
you know, thousands of AHJs, which are the permitting offices um, around the country, we have an automated system now, and now we're trying to get it adopted. We've got DOE and the Secretary of Energy, Secretary Granholm has come out and spoken for it, but it's really slow going. So these kind of things are like nuts and bolts that if you could get the permitting and you can get the interconnection and you get the main panel upgrades, then when you get these new entrants that are have lower capitalization, not as many staff, they're going to be able to get these these um, really important products to customers in a more cost-effective and timely way. And then you're going to start to get this growth and demand from customers. So really practical things, but I think something that, you know, we all could should get our arms around and, and try to solve. And, John, thinking about when we were doing drivers and we had policy technology culture, is there anything in any of those that you would elaborate more on for the barriers? Yeah, maybe not those categories, but <clears throat> on the category of uh, the the – um, West wide grid. Yeah. Uh, it really goes back to, again, we need an RTO because we, we have to have a more robust transmission system, right? If we want to get renewables from the, the, the resource to the load center, got to have transmission. That's a big deal. The markets development, um, how do we have, you know, an efficient and effective markets, day ahead markets development. Um, and again, the RTO to me is a, is a key piece of that. How can we get the the um, solar in the southwest up here to the to the winter peaking utilities in the Pacific Northwest? That that's a, a, tr a transmission grid uh, issue, and it's an RTO issue. I'm sure, and you you all are amazing recruiters to get talent there. But could we maybe talk about barriers to the, the people power and the intellectual capital that we're trying to bring into our organizations? Maybe maybe not just Sunrun, or maybe well, not just Snowpud, but the people that we're going to need. Yeah, well, I mean, we've heard this on this conference as well, too. I, I think one of the areas where we want to invest is to bring more support to the regulatory commissions. You know, so much of what has to be done here in terms of, you know, like I said, a lot of sort of innovative regulation. There's a great need for it. We've got some innovative regulators out there, but there's a lot of states and a lot of work is needed. And there's a real um, uh, differential in the number of staff in these different commissions. I mean, you've got some, you know, really staff that might have 50 people as staff and then others with thousands. And so we need to find a way that people recognize that regulation and policy is critical for making any of this happen. And then for that, we need to support our government officials and our public policymakers um, so they have that support. And I think the other thing is it's also really important um, for all these proceedings that are going to happen on integrated resource planning and, you know, RTOs, they, they, they are very resource intensive. And as I said at the beginning in my comments, one of the reasons that I was, you know, I decided to go to Sunrun coming out of the commission is I just felt like, you know, I would have all these utility people coming in all the meetings, all their representatives, all of their costs, by the way, often get recovered in rates. And then you try to have, you know, we're, you, you want to hear from nonprofits. You want to hear from new competitive providers. It's expensive. It's time-consuming. And so that is a real resource issue that I think, uh, you know, fortunately, I think FERC is trying to get it. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission is trying to get its arms around. Some states are trying to get their arms around in terms of recognizing that if they're going to have good decisions, you have to have participation from lots of perspectives, and we absolutely need to hear from the technologists and the people with the solutions. So that's where I think we have the need. We need to we need to support our regulatory capacity to get the right decisions. Anything real quick on barriers, or can we move to the last part? Uh, 
Yeah, I'll skip right over the workforce because we are extraordinarily lucky to have just immense talent, and I'm not giving out any names so we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is going to be a little bit of a different format here. One answer each, and we'll just build on it. Okay. All right, so what do you think are some effective solutions to keep pace with the energy transition? One, I think one they, and then we'll put one. one. Okay, yeah. improve access uh, to the process. Okay. Continuing pilots and testing and the use of data analytics. Yeah, that's great. Got to keep oh, going. Keep going I got this? a long list too. Oh, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll round out what you guys. You, you yeah. mean what else do we think yeah. we need? I would say um, I think one thing we have not mentioned really yet. You may have mentioned it a little bit. Is there's got to be a much greater focus on equity and inclusion, and making sure that. <laughs> the new technologies that we're bringing to bear are accessible to disadvantaged communities and to um, lower income people, because if not, you know, it's, it's, it's not fair and it's not going to be a solution. You know, many of these communities are the ones that are going to be the hardest hit by climate. And we really need to be approaching all of these solutions with a lens towards how are we going to make sure that they're widely accessible. Better aligned incentives. Yep. Uh, check. Got more. <laughs> More. Well, I mean, you can always use more money, right? I mean, I think, you know, getting the uh, federal investment tax credit through at for 10 years at 30% would be amazing. Got any more, John? Uh, the, the pace of innovation change and does it align with not, not outrun um, necessarily the pace in which we can test and, and deploy uh, and ensure that it's, it's meeting our needs. Are you, are you drawing in any more? Before I wrap them up. Well, I mean, my other wish is that we would come to a really great and fair solution to the net metering case in California um, for, for serious re for reasons that I think it's it's really um, going to set potentially um, the path for other technologies. Again, like what I'm looking at and what we're hoping for is really a customer dr driven revolution here to change our grid. And part of that is going to mean recognizing that you want to have people to be part of the solution and to be fairly compensated, whether it's for resource adequacy, whether it's for sharing their power, whether it's, you know, for what have you. And that's what my hope is, is that what comes out of this case, which many people are watching, is a recognition that we now have, you know, a really democratized electricity system and we're having even one that's even more so, but you need to have fair compensation for that to happen. So, Any more? Yeah, sure. I'll put my plug in market development and an RTO. Yeah. Uh, check. All right. I'll, I'll, <laughs> add, I'll add three or four uh, scaling demand side. I think we're really on the yeah. early stages yeah, there, um, which will allow us to better match supply and demand. Mm -hmm. um, pervasive visibility. We don't have enough situational awareness on our grid right now. I think we wow. need to do a lot better. Yep. Uh, Non-wires and right-sized solutions. Um, yeah, automated controls we covered. So you guys did a really good job. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's exciting. A lot of those things you just mentioned, certainly from your conference here, uh, there's a lot of great technology out there yeah. that's developing that, right? And and one of the things that we'll hear sometimes from utilities is they're concerned about whether they can really trust that distributed resources are going to be there. And I think that having, you know, that those 
those new technologies, those communication systems, the ways, the visibility, hopefully is going to build that trust so we're able to work together to, to you know, attack these solutions. Great. Last question. We're truly done. Um, John, I'll let you do first, and then you can have the last word. So you both are truly in the middle of navigating the energy transition. So what one or maybe two things are you really excited about in the near future and that you, that you think may be likely on the way? Um, I would say thinking about the landscaping of the energy uh, transition and keeping in mind we're primarily, again, a distribution company, um, thinking about how do we deliver the utility of the future today, and which means are we taking action? We are taking action in our DERs, planning for how to best leverage technology uh, advancements and data analytics capabilities. How do we keep our customers engaged and increase the excitement around how our customers can contribute to a clean and reliable energy future, prepare our grids and systems uh, and generation to deliver 100% clean energy, and continuing to partner with our, our industry peers, our vendors, et cetera. I think we, we do all that by empowering, uh, and I'll speak on behalf of Snohomish again, um, our extraordinarily talented, innovative, excited, and engaged team PUD. And I look at this as it's truly an honor to be a part of uh, a team that is has this mission at, at at the forefront. Last word. What are you excited about? What do you think is around the corner? Yeah, I'm really excited again about this really being becoming more of a customer driven. You know, revolution sounds bold, but that's really what we need right now. We have this huge problem, and you know, when I was back at, at PSENG, you know, a decade or so ago. We, we put these uh, solar panels on um, uh, telephone poles. It was People sometimes made fun of it. But one of the reasons it was really interesting is everybody saw it, right? Like it made it real to people. And what I've experienced at Sunrun is the more people that get solar on their roofs, right, they feel they're part of the solution. And we're starting to see it with EVs. And what's happening is it's not only getting their neighbors then to want to do it because they can see they can do it. But it's getting them engaged in the process. And so in this net metering case that I've mentioned a few times, what's happened in the last few months is we've seen millions, like, definitely hundreds of thousands of customers really engaged in this process now because they see they have an impact. They see it's going to affect them. When traditionally, you know, you could see something that might have been a big company off and you just didn't really care how, you turn, how it worked when you're trying to turn on the switch. So to me, that is the key for us really coming to an exam, you know, to a solution here is having more people engaged. And, and I'm really optimistic. I'm optimistic of the youth who, are, who want to do this. I'm, I'm yeah, happy about the students who all want to talk to me about it. And I'm really thrilled about all of these innovators, you know, who are here in other parts of the country who are really, like, putting their brains to really coming up with solutions. So I, I'm feeling good about it and, and very excited. That's a good place to end. John, Ann, thank you for being a part of the series. Thank you all for being here for Grid Forward, and it's good to be back together, as they say, in real life. So uh, hopefully we'll you. see you all uh, on the podcast, uh, wherever you might be, uh, Grid Forward Chats. Thank you all. And that's a wrap. Thank you. We're done. Grid Forward Chats is supported by iTron. Thanks for your support to make our discussions about grid modernization and energy innovation possible.